You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. That sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's bustling hospitality industry. You may find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. And we are on Twitter and Facebook. Be our friend at BT Plate Podcast on Twitter. And we have our own Facebook page at Beyond the Plate Podcast. All right, here's what's going down this week. We started Beyond the Plate because there's more to a chef than the food you eat in the restaurant. What you may not know is that in addition to creating delicious meals, chefs are prioritizing social impact and each does it in their own way. What gets me the most excited about being part of the food industry are the people. They are some of the most generous, thoughtful, and compassionate, and here's why. We've heard stories from people like Rachel Ray and how and why she gives back through cooking and kids as well as through animals in episode one. We've heard from Andrew Zimmern and how he gives back via hunger and homelessness and more in episode three. And we've heard from Chef Michael Salomonoff and about his rooster soup company, which donates 100% of their profits to Philadelphia's most vulnerable citizens in episode five. It's because of their successes, they've been able to share the stories on projects they care about. But there are people around the world who are unsung heroes, and we want to shine a spotlight on them. So here's the plan. We release our episodes every Wednesday. When there's a fifth Wednesday in a month, we're going to meet and get to know some of these people the ones you may not have heard about, and learn what they are doing to change the world. We've got five questions. Let's get started with two young women in Guatemala, Elizabeth and Gabby. Hello. How are you doing? We're great. How are you doing? This is uh, Elizabeth and Gabby. Thank you all for chatting. Mealworms as protein. Please explain. (laughs) Well, we're meal flour. It was started by the three of us, me, Elizabeth, Gabby, and our third co-founder, Joyce. And basically what we do is we train communities how to build mealworm farms to make a protein powder that they can put into foods that they already eat. And just by itself, the mealworm powder is 55% protein, which is pretty much twice as much as beef. And it also tastes kind of nutty and chocolatey. So when we make cookies and things out of it, people always think we add chocolate, but really it's just the natural mealworm taste. Yeah. In addition to just tasting really good. There's a big problem with malnutrition in Guatemala, which was kind of the main inspiration for the project. So we wanted to find a way to help address that issue. Um, And we got really interested in edible insects because they are really sustainable and they're better for the planet. And we had connections to NGOs uh, down here in Guatemala that are working to address malnutrition. So when we had the idea for the project, they showed a lot of interest. So we moved down here to work on it. Why Guatemala? Explain further. And And is there somewhere after Guatemala that you'd want to take it? Yeah, so we chose Guatemala for a few reasons. First, they have one of the highest rates of chronic malnutrition in the world. And second, the third co-founder, Joyce, worked here in Quetzaltenango two years ago and has a really good connection with organizations that are working with community here. And one of our biggest priorities was to kind of develop a nutrition program and a global health initiative that really just works with the community to create a program. So we had like a general idea coming down here, but really we worked with the women 
who are in the program to really develop what we do. Yeah, but we definitely think that it's a program that we can take to other places and we're always working to connect with other organizations who are interested in edible insects. This is a more sustainable source of protein, but also as a good way to address malnutrition. So we have contacts in Kenya and Peru, and we're really hoping to connect with other organizations as we keep developing our program here because we think it's a great way to address malnutrition in lots of different communities. Question three, how can this be replicated? So, I mean, uh, just for your listeners or anyone who's interested in setting up a mealworm farm, we actually have a DIY section on our website, which is just mealflower.org, since we think it's a really great way for people in the U.S. who are interested in kind of cutting back on their meat consumption to get extra protein in their diet. And then in terms of kind of expanding the program that we're developing here in Guatemala, I think like Elizabeth was saying, definitely working with communities and working with NGOs that already know the communities and have the contacts is going to be the way that we do that in the future. And the best part about mealworm farms is you don't really need anything specific to grow them. So they can be made from upcycled materials. So in some countries, they're just like jerry cans and water jugs on the side of streets, and you can pick those up. And as long as it's a food grade plastic, you can grow mealworms in it. And they're really small, so they can fit under a table or our participants have them in the corner of their room. So it can be replicated no matter how much space you have in your home or what materials you have, because it's just so easy to grow. Question four, is there a measure of success for you all or what does success look like? Yeah, so with our program in Guatemala, it's going to be uh, making sure that all of our participants are able to harvest mealworms every week, and they're definitely getting on their way to that. Our participants are starting to make the flour, which is really exciting, and starting to come up with their own recipes of how to use it. The end goal for us is for us to not really need to be involved because the sustainability aspect of it is really important. So Once all of our participants are able to maintain their farm on their own, that's going to be success in Guatemala. And I think our long-term vision, kind of open-ended, we'd love to see mealworm farms in every country, but it's definitely going to be a long road to get there. But it would be awesome, yeah, if in like 20, 30 years, there are mealworm farms around the world. Question five, is anyone else doing this? There's a lot of commercial for-profit mealworm farmers around the world who are selling powder and whole mealworms to people kind of in like Western countries, I guess, in the U.S. and in Europe. Edible insects is starting to be pretty big. But as far as we know, we're the first organization who's working to help people grow mealworms in their homes for their own use and not to sell it on a large scale with large scale production. The idea is that the people who are farming here can use it for their families and then any extra they can sell to their communities. But beyond that, we're not trying to create like a huge international money-making organization. (laughs) I'm doing a part B to question five. Can you dig in a little bit, no pun intended, to uh, crickets as protein, mealworms as protein? I think this is a huge thing in other countries. People in the States see it and you you know, to them a little bit, but can you dig a little deeper on that? Yeah. So edible insects are are pretty common. I think it's something like 80% of countries around the world have at least like one variety of insect that people eat. But a lot of that is like harvesting like palm weevils or certain ants. People have to go out and collect them. So it's pretty seasonal. So what got us really excited about mealworms is they're, they're pretty hardy. And like Elizabeth was saying, they're really easy to grow. So it's something that people can keep in their home year round. If it gets a little chillier, then they have to do a little bit more to insulate it sometimes. 
sometimes it's like a cardboard box or wrapping the farm in a blanket. So, and crickets are really popular. Like you said, the issue with crickets, and we did consider it uh, for our project in Guatemala, is that they can only survive in a pretty narrow temperature range and they tend to prefer warmer temperatures. But the mealworms can survive even in really cold temperatures. They just tend to reproduce more slowly. So that's why we think that that's kind of like the best insect option for the kind of program that we're trying to develop that's really focused on teaching people how to do this at home in order to improve their nutrition. But really, edible insects is just an amazing alternative to meat for a variety of reasons. So for one pound of beef, I think it takes like 2,000 gallons of water to produce. If you include like raising the cow and then the processing. And then for mealworms, the same quantity of like mealworm meat takes less than one gallon. So just on like an, from an environmental perspective, that's pretty incredible. It also takes a lot less land and also releases zero methane gas, whereas we know cows produce a lot and it's really contributing to global warming. So a lot of people want to move to insects because it's better for the environment. A lot of people, because, you know, as cities grow, there's really just not a lot of space to raise traditional livestock. And honestly, it's like healthier for you. Edible insects have, like we said before, twice as much protein and also all like essential amino and fatty acids. And it tastes really good. I like yeah. to taste way better than, <laughs> than like beef or anything like that. And you can really just put it into anything. So like for like the exercise buffs, like who are really into their protein powder, it's just basically like a sustainable protein powder that you can make into like a shake that naturally tastes like chocolate. <laughs> so I feel like it just can appeal to a lot of different audiences. Like we're working in places where like in food deserts and areas of malnutrition, but even for people who don't really have an issue with accessing the nutrients they need, it's still just really good as a global movement. All right. I have to ask, do you eat it every day or is it just like when it fits into a meal and do you personally cook with it and what do you cook with it? Yeah. So we, we don't eat it every day. We try to vary our protein sources, um, <laughs> but we do cook with it pretty regularly. We try to come up with recipes that we can teach our participants in the program. So I really like to bake. So we've made a lot of different kinds of cookies and bread with it. We've also made like sauces and bean dips. And then we're really working to kind of incorporate it into the local foods in Guatemala so that people don't have to change their diet. So tortillas, I'm really bad at making tortillas. I've tried many, many times. So we're asking the women in our program to help us with that. There's also just like oatmeal dishes called like mosh and there's atol, which is just like this thick drink that's really delicious. So incorporating it into those kinds of foods as well. We've also just had it plain with some lime and salt. It kind of tastes like a bar snack. Yeah. Pretty good. That sounds delicious. I'm a chef by trade, so I'm curious, like on the personal level, correct me if I'm wrong, once you, is it called harvesting the mealworms? Are they roasted and then ground or how are they exactly consumed? Yeah. So that's how we process it into a flour. You can also just boil them if you want more of like a meat-like texture. But since we're usually just turning it into a powder to incorporate into recipes that we already know, then yeah, just roasting them in a pan or they have like the big, they call them like planchas, I guess, where they make their tortillas and toast them on there and then grind them up. All right. You get a bonus question, even though you've had like three bonus questions. This is your time to plug away. How can people get involved? 
So the most basic thing people can do to be involved in just like the global edible insect movement is like we said, just make your own farm and stick it in the corner of your room and have little protein snack whenever you want. To get involved with meal flour, we're always looking for partners around the world who already have nutrition or education programs that are looking for something that's a lot cheaper and more sustainable because a solution right now that a lot of nutrition programs have is importing like supplements, like little like dehydrated tofu and like protein powders. But this is more thinking long term like how can we help people for like the rest of their life have access to protein not rely on like foreign organizations coming in and trying to help to use like a very NGO buzzword like how can we empower people to like (laughs) increase their nutrition so anyone who has connections to programs like that who are like really working to solve this like systemic issue of malnutrition is helpful you can also always donate (laughs) to us to keep supporting our work in Guatemala there's a donation tab on our website and people can also sign up for our newsletter if they're interested in getting updates on our program and then through our Twitter and Facebook we also just try to share cool research and other articles about edible insects around the world for people who are interested in joining the global movement as Elizabeth said Awesome, that's fantastic Thank you all, I appreciate it Yeah, thank you Thank you for tuning in to this fifth Wednesday episode You can find more on Mealflower at mealflower.org this episode was produced by Sean Petrosian, Ian Cohen, and Joel Yeaton. A big thank you all around. Our music has been composed by Goldford. You can find him at iGoldford. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled episodes. And you can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.